So we're going to be reading out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Yeah, I see. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to listen together. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not, account, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would meet us as we consider what it means to be humbly pursuing unity. God, I thank you that you have called us not just to a personal faith in you, but to a corporate faith that pours itself out in love. And God, I pray that as we consider what it looks like to, to pursue the same purpose, the same convictions, the same values, Lord, would you encourage us to look around the room and to consider others better than ourselves? Because that is the example that you have set for us. Empower us by your spirit to do this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So last week, if you're new, we've been going through a series on, on the book of Philippians. And, and Paul is addressing a number of the things that are going on in this church. A lot of good things that are going on. They've partnered with, with Paul in his ministry, and even though he is right now in prison, they even sent uh, one of their leaders, a guy named Epaphroditus, to, to provide some support, some, some resources, and so he's, he's encouraged. At the same time, he's heard that there are some, some issues that are going on that we're eventually going to get into in the rest of the book that Paul will address more directly, but as we begin to unfold what he's talking about, we see that unity is kind of on the, the forefront of his mind. And so last week, we, we heard him talking about uh, his desire to be with Christ, and yet at the same time, the fact that he understood that he was going to stay on this earth, that he was going to stay alive because he knew he'd be a benefit to them. And so he said, it, given that that's the fact, that I'm going to be with you, that I'm going to encourage you, I want you to grow in Christ, and, and I want you to grow together. And so he says in verses uh, 27 and following, he says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel and he goes on to explain what that means, that they're standing firm in the Holy Spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. See, there's this picture of, of a Christian church as not just a, a community organization 
or, or a, a social club, but as, as God's army moving ahead in unison, marching together and, and towards a common purpose, holding up the flag of Jesus Christ in all the world to see. So there's this call to unity that he's going to expound upon here in, in the next few verses. We're going to see that he's going to encourage us to pursue unity. And that sounds great, but the, but the real question as, as we get to Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday is what does that actually look like? We can talk about pursuing unity. You know, at Grace, we have our values. When you join us for life at Grace Breakfast, we talked about we value lordship, discipleship, evangelism, leadership development, family. These are things that we say that we value. But, but what does that mean for you on Monday? What does that mean for you as you go and have a donut? What does that mean when you go to a small group? What does it look like to pursue unity? And we'll see that Paul thinks it means uh, that we pursue humility. So in verses 3 and 4, he'll talk about humility. Now, we're going we're gonna to take two weeks to cover this, this section because verses 5 through 11 are it's just too much for us to get through. And, and we've got people in the room who, who need to, to hear something for themselves as well. And, and kids, if you're, if you're listening, uh, there's just going to be a quiz at the end. And I'm only half kidding. So pay attention. Uh, you'll get extra credit. I don't have candy, so uh, it'll just be credit. And if you don't know what that means, ask your parents later. Um, it'll be great. But he tells us that we are to pursue unity. And he begins and he says this, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, any participation in the Holy Spirit, any affection and sympathy, if, he says, if you've, if you've received encouragement from Jesus Christ. Now he's talking to, to self-professed self Christians. And if you're a self-professed Christian, there's some understanding that you have received this gospel message that says that you deserve one thing, which is uh, punishment and condemnation, bad things because of your disobedience, but you've received what? Grace. And that's encouraging. So this is almost him saying, if you are a believer. This is not some sort of if situation of maybe yes, maybe no. He's talking to people for whom these things are true. They've received encouragement from Christ. They've received God's love. If you're a Christian, if you're following Jesus Christ, you have received God's love. Now, you may not always feel that or experience that. We go through seasons of dryness. The Bible talks about walking through the desert or walking through the valley, and there are are moments in our life where we seem parched, but God's word tells us that he has shown us that he loves us by sending his son, Jesus Christ. He's expressed it. And as we continue to live our lives and we experience God's grace in our life, his forgiveness, his power to change, these are all expressions of what? But his love. He goes on and he says, if you've had any participation in the spirit, and that word participation is the same word that he used earlier, it's koinonia, it's this, this fellowship, but it's not talking about having a donut with the Holy Spirit in the lobby. No, he's talking about if you've experienced the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to change you, to transform you as a result of the gospel, if you've gone from, from sinning and living in darkness to seeing things differently, to, to thinking differently, I remember as a kid uh, thinking about Christianity, and I, I think I was saved pretty early. I got baptized at seven, and that was as a result of a personal uh, commitment of faith. I, I, I decided that I wanted to follow Jesus. I, I 
So there was, there was some sort of belief there. But I remember going from thinking, man, these Christians talk a lot about God. They, they talk a lot about God. And I don't know why they talk about him so much to all of a sudden thinking about God more often. And, and having God shift from being on the outside to being in the center. I was, I was experiencing the participation of the Spirit as he changed and transformed the way I thought. He goes on and he says, if you've had any affection and sympathy, right? If you've experienced any of these blessings, any of these benefits, then what? Complete my joy. You can imagine Paul as being like a father to these people. He's, he's a... He's thinking about them and, and speaking to them in a fatherly manner. He's saying, kids, would you make me, would you complete my joy? I mean, parents, have you ever said that? Would you just, 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 this would make me so happy if you would do X. Usually we don't say it in moments like this. Usually it's in moments of please just stop. But there's this paternal, just, just make your parent happy type experience. Kids, you know that's true. When, when mom and dad say, would you just do this for daddy? Would you, just, would you just be quiet for five minutes more for mama, for daddy? He says, if you would just complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He says, by being of the same mind, being convinced of the same things, being, uh, having convictions that are similar. And, and he's, he's not just talking about personal opinions about dress or, or uh, your favorite team. No, he's talking about the content of the gospel and how it, it changes the way that we relate to the world. That all of a sudden we, we understand what is right and what is wrong and what is valuable and what is not. Being of the same mind, having the same love. What does Jesus say? What are the two most important commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. All of a sudden, when we put our trust in Jesus, we are living and we are having the same love. He says, being in full accord. In other words, in full agreement. You know, the things that divided us no longer become, they're no longer as, as important and we're united by the things that bring us together. We're not, we're not divided by, well, you, you grew up here and I grew up there and, and you had this kind of experience growing up and I had that kind of experience and, and, and you're living, uh, you have these interests and I have those interests and, and so we would never get together. No, but we both love Jesus Christ. We've been saved by him. We're in the family of God and now we're, we're of the same accord, it says. We're in agreement. And he goes on and he says, and uh, we're of one mind or one purpose, we're moving in one direction. We're not just a bunch of uh, people scurrying around it to their own ends, but we come and we're pursuing God together. Fellowship, one way you could think of fellowship is, is there's Jesus, you're following him, and there are people that are following him with you. We're, we're walking shoulder to shoulder. In other words, the community of people who have been created by the gospel should also be united in service to that gospel. The people who have been created by the gospel, those who have received the grace of the gospel, who have give, been given new life, should also be united in service of that gospel. That's, that's why we do church. That's one of the reasons we do church. This is why we don't just say, well, I trust in Jesus, I read my Bible, and I do my own thing on Sundays. This is why we, we, we 
put ourselves in awkward situations and, and we, we go to small groups and we, we take a day out of the week and try to spend it with, with people who are part of the body of Christ because we want to put our, in, ourselves in situations where we're following with other people who are united in purpose, united in mind, united in convictions. So if you've trusted in Jesus, your relationship with him should lead you to a commitment to his people. I'll say that again. If you've trusted in Jesus, your relation, your relationship with him should lead you to a commitment with his people. This is why when people tell me, you know, I'll meet someone and I'm like, oh yeah, cool, you, you know, you love the Lord, you're you follower of Jesus. Yeah, I'm Christian. Where do you go to church? I'm like, I don't go to church. And without trying to condemn anyone, the question comes to mind, how can you be a Christian and not participate in church life? Now, I don't mean to say that it's easy, and I don't mean to say that you can avoid being hurt. You, you know, everyone in this room is a sinner except for you. <laughs> and so it's entirely possible and statistically probable that you will be hurt or offended by someone in this room. Now, does that mean you should quit on church? No. Uh, I'm married, and, and my wife is married to me, and she loves me even though I am a sinner. I'm, I am quite a sinner. Uh, and, and so, but, but that doesn't mean that the, the institution of marriage is invalid. It just means that, that I have to do better and, and trust in God's grace in the meantime. And we were called together. If Jesus is your Lord, then you'll have similar priorities, values, and pursuits with others who call Jesus Lord. Uh, and if Jesus is, is your Lord, it means that you'll sacrifice time, energy, resources for the benefit of others, especially other Christians. Um, this all sounds really good. And, and, I, and I, I think that we all, on some level, would say yes. But what I appreciate about Paul is that he's a realist. He understands that people are people. And just telling people, you know, let's, let's be united. Let's come up with a mission statement here, a Christ-centered mission statement. You know, we at Grace Covenant Church, we, we want to help people encounter Christ, experience community, and extend the kingdom of God. And, and I, we do. Uh, we actually do want to do those things. But it can, be, it can be easy to give lip service to that without actually seeing that happen in our community. And so Paul goes on and he says, okay, this is how you do that. He, he says in verses 3 and 4, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What is at the heart of real unity among Christians? You know, I, I think if you had asked me that 10 years ago, I would have said, good theology. Scripture reading, memorization, strong prayer life, just listing off the spiritual disciplines. And then sometime, at, at some point, I, I read John 13, 34, and 35, and it just hit me right between the eyes. They will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And if you, if you dig deeper into what that looks like, the heart of loving sinful people regardless of their sin and regardless of how it might hurt you 
requires humility. What is the heart of, what is the heart of real unity among Christians? It's, it's humility. You see, at the, at the entrance of the kingdom of God, you know, metaphorically speaking, there is a sign, much like at the carnivals, that says you must be this tall to enter. Now, the height requirement's different for each of us. For Pastor Duke, it's quite tall. For me, it's not as much. But, but if I were to step up to it, it wouldn't be here. It would be here because we all have to enter on our knees. So when we enter the kingdom of God, when we trust Jesus Christ, we don't do so with our chests out, our chin up, and a sense of pride about who we are. If you've understood the gospel, the gospel, the, uh, the, the prerequisite, if this was a class that we would be taking, it would be an understanding of our own sinfulness, right? Gospel 101, prerequisite, a recognition that you are a sinner and you can't fix it. See, you and I, we are sinners. We are We don't talk about that type type of thing anymore, so I have to unpack it. We are people who have disobeyed God's law. We have done things that we know we shouldn't have done. We have not done things that we thought we probably should have done. And there is a God who holds us accountable, whether or not we want to believe that or not. Just like there is a speed limit, and we can get pulled over, whether we know what that speed limit is at the time. The reality of the law is not negated by our, our knowledge of that law or our recognition, I'll say. So we all enter the kingdom of heaven at our, on our knees. When we, try, when we stop trying to justify ourselves and trust what Jesus has done, we go from standing on our own two feet to standing on our knees. And that, that's the kingdom posture. The kingdom posture is on our knees. I would, I would be preaching from that posture right now if that wasn't really difficult and probably a little distracting. But this goes for me too. This is, this is something that I'm wrestling with. The fact that one of the, the best things that we can pursue in Christianity is not just doctrinally uh, astute uh, books. and It's not just being a prayer warrior as much as that's a good thing. It's not just uh, going to church and doing awesome things. It's, it's learning what it looks like to be humble. And the church is a community of people who are on their knees. So Paul tells us two ways that, that unity is, is formed through humility. He, he says in verse 3, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. In, in chapter 1, Paul told us about these Christians who were, because he was in prison, they were preaching the gospel with the goal of hurting him and potentially kind of stepping into the vacuum that he left. That is a terrible reason to preach the gospel. They were preaching from rivalry and conceit. The idea is doing things that are focused on you. Other other translations will say out of selfishness or selfish ambition. There's a a Randall Goodgame song I'd encourage you to to listen to. Um, I think he's reading out of the NIV. He makes songs that are just scripture and... uh, so it, I won't sing it. Anyways, look it up. Randall Good Game, uh, Slugs and Bugs. <laughs> no. Um, and 
And he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So the idea is selfishness and the idea of conceit is doing things that are focused on yourself, giving yourself an exaggerated sense of self. Now this is, we're in dangerous territory here because what I've just described is the internet. It's, it's every social media platform that you have participated in and are participating in right now. Right? The, the whole goal of these things is to create a platform upon which you can show yourself, both individually and corporately. And, and I understand we use it to some degree. Like we use Instagram and, and Facebook and, and X or Twitter, whatever it's called now. We, we use it for the church so people can know what's going on, so that people can, can participate in, in that. But, but it's it's very small step from going from informing people about what God is doing to now informing people about who we are and how awesome we are. And, and the double-edged sword of this thing is that it's not just the outside world that's promoting it, it's my own heart. My desires are to, for self. There are some kids in the room, and most of those kids, and, and some grown-up kids, and most of us, did not need to learn how to say mine. We did not need, lead, need to learn how to, how to treat the world as your toy box. That's mine, that's mine, that's mine. What's in your hand, that's mine. Because we're born with a bent towards selfishness to the degree that the, the little babies, as cute and wonderful and chubby-cheeked as they are, I don't know that they realize that there are other people. They're just extensions of themselves. They cry and, and someone who is an extension of themselves brings them food they cry and they get cleaned up. I mean, they, they're living the life. And so you almost have to get weaned from the idea of selfishness because that's how it starts. And I'm being silly here, but, but that's the reality. Look at the, the news, listen to the radio, even the language that we use, self-help, self-care, self-esteem. You know, I, I'm, I'm happy for us to pursue health for us to pursue a right view of who we are, to appreciate the unique dignity that God has created in each of us. So don't hear me as saying that you should think poorly of yourself. Humility isn't just thinking lowly of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And so he says, he, don't pursue this rivalry, this conceit, this selfishness, but do, in humility, count others more significant than yourself. See, the an antidote for for being self-focused is not being self-focused in a negative way. Oh, I'm just terrible. Oh, what was, you know, Eeyore is a strangely selfish individual. He can't see outside his own depression. Do you realize that? That's what makes him so funny, is there are so many cool things going on. You got Winnie the Pooh, and he's so happy and big, and, you know, oh, there are bumblebees, and he's just living life, but Eeyore can't get beyond Life is terrible. <laughs> He's selfish. And, and the antidote for Eeyore is not, man, Eeyore, you're doing, stop being so terrible. No, it's, it's Eeyore, look at all these cool people. You got Piglet. You got Winnie the Pooh. You got Christopher Robin. Go play with them. Go serve them. Go help them. Paul says, 
count others more significant than yourselves. He goes on to verse 4 and, and, and even gives more flesh to the, to the bones here. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And, and, and I, I fear that sometimes when we read this, that we think to ourselves, oh, if I do this, I'm just going to give myself away. But can I, can I assure you that 99% of the people in this room are in no danger of being smothered by serving others? I'm, try, I'm not trying to be mean. Some of you are. There are a couple of you who you give, you give, you give, you give, and, and you need to just take a moment and rest. And, and maybe you're, you're probably it's the mothers in the room. Um, but, but even then, there is a blessing that God has established for those of us who give. It's better to give. And he says, don't just look on to the, to the uh, interest, of others, or, uh, interest of yourself, but also to the interest of others. So who can you value today? Who can you value above yourself today? When you heard the Bible say to consider others more significant than yourself, who comes to mind? For some of you, it's like a family member. You're like, oh, I need to, I need to call that person and encourage you. And you should do that. For those of you, it's this person that has really angered you. And you're like, I am not going to consider them better. And the Holy Spirit might be just nudging you to extend forgiveness, love, and encouragement. My wife told me the story about this woman who had been really hurt by, I don't remember who it was, but her solution, her way of dealing with her own offense was to make muffins. She was a muffin ninja. And so she made muffins for this woman. And, and I don't know if th- th- there was th- some sort of dramatic ending to the story. She made muffins. The woman saw the muffins. She wept and she realized, I am, woe is me. I am a horrible, wicked person. Will you please forgive me? I think probably what happened, she said, uh, thanks for the muffins. But, but the act of that woman making muffins, taking the time it took to to, to think about her, to put the recipe together, to bake them, to put them in a container and then deliver them was her wrestling with her soul saying, I'm going to consider this person more significant. I'm going to humble myself and express love. Could you send them a meal? Could you forgive them? Could you apologize and ask for forgiveness? When we shift our focus off of ourselves and Onto others, we grow in humility and we become participants, participants in gospel unity. That's one of the neat things about family. I'll just, just as we come to a close, kids, we're almost done and, and you guys are going to come hang out with me. But within family, done well, humility is built into it. It's either humility or the marriage really suffers. <laughs> Or humility or, or the parenting really suffers. God creates in the family structure a situation where you are forced to love, forgive, care for, count others as more significant. And the healthier the family, the more that the others are focused on one another. But let me encourage you. We've gotten into a whole lot of this is what you need to do. And you might be out here just thinking, I can't do this. But I don't want you to forget how we got here. We're, we're, not, we're not on a, a plank walking to our death. We're standing on the foundation of what Jesus has done. 
We can do this not because we're super awesome, but we can do this because Jesus loves us and he's given us Holy Spirit who's going to empower us, enable us to forgive, enable us to love. He's going to remind us of his love. We are a community on our knees. And the gospel demands that we, demands that we enter the kingdom on our knees and that we stay on our knees. And we do this because Jesus did it first. And we do this because Jesus is with us now. Amen? All right. Are there any kids that want to come down and talk to me? Awesome. Whew. I was nervous for a second. Thank you, Kevin. All right, Silas. Levi, good to see you guys. Come on down. Hey, buddy. How are you? All right. Well, thank you for being here. You guys are done so well. Give it up for our kids. I know. Sometimes when, when you're listening to adults talk, it can, you can kind of zone out and focus on other things. I like, what's his name? Eor? Bale. Okay. Hey, buddy. Well, it is good to see you guys. So today we're talking about unity. How many of you guys have played on a sports team? What, what about you? What team? Soccer. Soccer awesome. Basketball. Yes, ma'am. Um, T-ball. T-ball. Okay. Yeah. Soccer. A lot of soccer. Football. Football. Um, baseball. Baseball. Um, basketball. basketball. Awesome. Now, on these teams, okay, what, James, what about you? Soccer. Soccer. On these teams, did everyone have their own colored jersey? Like, did you have a red one and then the other, your friend have a blue one and another friend have a green one? I, have a, I had a blue one. Did you have? You, and it switched colors. It switches black, blue. Black and blue, so you flipped it? Now, the other kids on your team, did they have the same color or a different color? Um, they have blue. They, they have the same shirt. The same they shirt. The same color. When you're playing on the same team, hold on, Levi. When you're playing on the same team, you, you have things that, that make you the same, and that's unity. You have red, blue right now. We have, we're, we're not quite unified, but we're unified in checkers. That's okay. Um, and when God saves us, when we believe and trust Jesus, do you know what God does? He puts us on a team. And he also, and he also makes us work together. He makes us work together, yes. So good. So today we talked about what it meant to be in a church family. Does your, does your family have rules? Yes, they do. Just yes or no. Just, I hope there are no no's. No rules. Yes, we all have family rules. Do you know what? God's family has a couple rules. Now, he's, he, he talks about the rules in his, in his what? In his bi- Bible. That's right. It's not just rules, but there are some rules in there. There are two rules I want us to walk away with, okay? Rule number one is don't be selfish. Can you guys say that with me? What does it mean to be, se- what does selfish mean? Yeah. Yeah, doing stuff that people ask you to do, okay. Okay, hold on. Ada? Um, if you 
Yeah, being mean and not apologizing and thinking about yourself. What, any other ones? Over, it's kind of quiet over here. Anyone missing over here? Oliver. What is that? Only caring, only caring about yourself. That's good. Okay, so selfishness is only caring about yourself. So rule number one is what? Don't be selfish. That's right. That's great. What is your other one? Yeah. Yeah, we don't call people S-T-U-P-I-D. I, I get it. Yeah, that's good. Um, the, the second rule is to, we're going to say it together, humbly serve others. So ready? Humbly serve others. What does it mean to be humble? Angela? That's okay. Aaron. Um, you know, when someone asks you to do something and you don't do it. Okay, well, that's, that's not being humble. That's good. Hold on. So being humble is thinking about others before you think about yourself. Thinking about others before you think about yourself. So if you're playing with your brother or sister and you pick up a toy, being humble is thinking to yourself, hey, I want you to play with this. I want you to have a turn with this. Okay? So rule number one is don't be. Rule number two is humbly serve others. And do you know why we do these things? We don't do these things so that we can make God happy. We do these things because God loves us, right? Because God has already put us in his family. He does like that. We can please God, and he is our father. And guys, because Jesus loves us, look at me. I know it's super exciting up there. Look at me real quick. Because Jesus loves us, we can serve others. So I want you, are you listening? This is what you have to do later. I want you to think of one way that you can serve someone in your family today. You can serve your mom. You can serve your dad. You can serve your siblings but I want you to think of one way, and you can serve your baby brother. Yeah. So can we pray? Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's say, dear God, thank you for loving me and putting me in your family. Please help me to love others, serve others, and think about others. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. You can go back to your seats. Go back to your seats. All right. You did it. Parents, thank you. We've got some, some theologians and some just extroverted kiddos. Well, family, I suppose I could have just said the same thing to us. We are in God's family, and Paul's trying to give us some of his family rules. He doesn't want us to be selfish, but he doesn't just give us the negative don't. He gives us the positive. Serve others. Humbly serve others. Not, not so that we can curry some sort of favor with God, but because God has already put, in his, put us in his family. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your, 
your encouragement to us. And God, I pray that you would help us to be humble, to humbly serve others, to consider the needs and, and desires of others above ourselves. And as we do that as a corporate body, would you make us the kind of people who glorify you, who bring glory to you, so that when people come and experience this church family, they realize, man, there's something different. There's something different. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, family.